the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. And welcome to the Dennis Prager Show from Washington, D.C. Right. Now, okay, so here's an interesting question. Does everybody listening across the country and around the world think that that was Sean playing canned applause or real applause? I am very curious. You know what? This is, this is, I'm sorry, this is goofy, but I'm fascinated. Sean, play a few seconds of uh, canned applause. All right, and now live applause. Okay, so <laughs> so uh, Rick, since you're my uh, communicant here, uh, did that sound different? Worlds apart. All right, good. I'm glad. So who is the audience that is actually live and breathing right now? I am at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. I've come to Washington because we are into the week of the publication of the third volume of my Bible commentary, The Rational Bible. Thank you. If I could put a subtitle to the Rational Bible, it would be something to the effect, the solution to evil. Because that's how I see uh, the Bible, and particularly those five books, the first five. It's, a, it's really remarkable that there is so much horrible thing there are so many horrible things that take place in the world and there really is a solution to most of it i'm not i don't believe we could make the world a utopia but i think there is a solution available and it's not used it's as if there were a really effective cure for almost all cancer and for reasons that uh, people uh, could not figure out, it would just not be, it would not be used. That's how I feel about this. So that's the reason that I write this. The, the brilliance of, of the volumes. I'll give you one example. And it's a really, I think, effective example. People dismissed the, the founders of the country because they owned slaves, or many of them owned slaves. So by that thinking, what the person dismissing them is saying 
nobody before me was moral. I am the most moral person. In effect, I am the most moral person to have ever lived. Because so many people did things in the past that we don't do today. And there is one sentence or verse, as the term is used for the Bible, one verse that tells us how to look at people in the past. God saves one person during the flood, or one person and his family, to be precise, Noah. And it says why. Noah was a righteous man. But that's not the whole verse. It says Noah was a righteous man in his generations. It's teaching us that you have to assess people in their generations. Otherwise, you can never properly morally assess anybody. What if 100 years from now, everybody is vegetarian? Will those of us who ate meat in the 20th and 21st centuries be dismissed as morally unworthy? We shouldn't be read we should be dismissed as, as moral creatures. That's, that's the thinking. All it is, is is the arrogance of the present generation. It's called presentism, the worship of the present. We have figured out all moral things. Barack Obama was opposed to same-sex marriage even while he was president. And he said so. He said, I'm a Christian. And... That you know, that's we believe that marriage is defined by the the union of a man and a woman. So was Barack Obama morally incompetent until he changed his mind? Is he to be dismissed? And is anybody who actually continued to hold the view that Barack Obama held until relatively few years ago, are they still to be dismissed? We live in the age of moral stupidity. And part of the reason, a big part of it is, people don't have wisdom. They're not taught wisdom. And anybody who's listened to my show is aware of my belief. Wisdom is the source of good, not good intentions. Good intentions mean nothing. Most of the atrocities of the 20th century, the most violent century in human history, were caused by people with good intentions. But we live in the age of feelings, so people's feelings are assessed. I mean well, therefore I am good. That's it. All you have to do is mean well. But there's a very big danger there. One is, what if you mean well and the results are awful? And here's another one. If the only way to assess whether a person is good or not is by their intentions, then by definition, all those who differ with me, the one with good intentions, have bad intentions. That is why people on the left are certain that all conservatives are bad people. Because they assess themselves by their intentions. If leftists assess themselves by their results, none of them would be on the left. They would all abandon leftist ideology because they only produce awful things. So they only assess intentions. They believe their intentions are good. So by definition, those of us who are not in agreement with them have bad intentions. So some philosophical matters 
opening up the show today. To all of my listeners, I will be interspersing thoughts and ideas from this next book coming out. It's the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth of the five books of the Torah, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And uh, it's something I learned, which kills me. I learned it after the publication of the book. The most cited book by the founders of the United States of America, secular or religious, was Deuteronomy. They did, they did research with computers. What book was most often cited? And it turns out the second place was Montesquieu, the great French Enlightenment thinker. First place was Deuteronomy, not Genesis, not Exodus, not Matthew. It, it's really fascinating. I, I was pleasantly surprised and a little ticked off that I didn't know it. I have to admit, I publish a book on Deuteronomy, and nowhere do I mention that. One of the frustrations in writing a book like this is that after its publication, you come up with new insights. <laughs> it's sort of like it should be updated every week. But I thought that people would find that of interest. It makes perfect sense to me. That's where they got their guidance from. The finest country ever devised was devised by people who believed that the most important book ever written was the Bible. But if you dismiss the founders, by golly, you'll dismiss the Bible. And that's the way it works. Even citing the Bible, most people with a college education assume that if you cite the Bible, you're somewhat of an idiot. A simpleton. The brainwash has been so complete. I, I went to Columbia University, which I'm not, not proud of because it's become the least free, the most suppressive of speech in the country, according to those who assess uh, free speech on campuses. Isn't that amazing? The most. I mean, the competition is intense, let me just say. I, so I remember. When I was young, I one of my many hobbies, I still have all my hobbies, but this one has sort of faded away, but I loved it. I, I was a stamp collector. And one of the American stamps that I would always read about stamps, I learned a tremendous amount about the world because of stamp collecting. And I... Guys, could you turn that off? Because I just hear myself in the background. Thank you. Columbia, on its, I think, 300th anniversary or, or 200th anniversary, it said, oh, Columbia was founded to teach, what was it? Science, math, literature, and theology. Imagine that. Theology. Okay, we'll be back. We're at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. The Fed is unstable. Interest rates could go up at any moment. If you're relocating and need to buy a new home or invest in real estate, get fully underwritten and approved with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian at Sierra Pacific Mortgage before you make an offer. Their fast-track approval process will allow you to compete with cash offers, whether you're buying today, tomorrow, or a year from now. Even though housing prices are stabilizing or coming down, economic uncertainty, supply chain issues, and limited construction means the real estate market is limited and competitive. 
Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com right now. Get fully approved today and have confidence so that when you're ready to buy, you'll have the money ready to go. Don't wait. Go to andrewandtodd.com. Lock in today's still historically low rates. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager in Washington, D.C. Hi, everybody. Yeah, it's a big day. You, my uh, book is coming out the next week, and uh, this is the uh, celebration of it here. I'm going to share with you a, a very personal feeling. I mean, it, it's not uh, it's not a bad thing, but it's it, it'll, it'll. I think you'll find it amusing and certainly interesting. When I received my copy of Deuteronomy, and it's, I, I comment on almost every verse to explain everything to the reader. So when I received the copy, and by the way, they're, they're physically beautiful. I want to salute Regnery, the publisher. Each three of the volumes are gorgeous. And that means a lot to me. I'm, I'm very aesthetically sensitive, as it were. Anyway. My my first reaction was not jubilation or even pride. I I give you my word. My first reaction was, when did I write that? It's this big volume, and I think I don't remember what I had the time to do it. Which, by the way, is um, sort of proof of a a great line I heard when I was very young, only the busy have time to do anything. And it's, it's so amazingly true, or there's a variation on that. If you want something done, ask the busiest person. So anyway, I, I did find it and, uh, I, I am thrilled because it's a repository of the solution to evil, as I said earlier. So listen to this headline. It, it, it incredibly fits into the theme of the day here. Los Angeles Times, what's the date? September 30th. All right. So that's four days ago. The headline reads, young adults in California experience alarming rates of anxiety and depression, poll finds. So I have a lot of thoughts on this. Let me just read to you from the Los Angeles Times. Young adults in California, and by the way, it almost doesn't matter what state, experience mental health challenges at alarming rates, with more than three quarters reporting anxiety in the last year, more than half reporting depression. By the way, if that's true, that's really alarming. More than half of uh, young people, young adults in California, experiencing depression. 31% experiencing suicidal thinking and 16% self-harm, according to the results of a survey commissioned by the California Endowment. And I want you to know how angry the article makes me. Because all of this, nearly all of this, not all of it, some of it is built in. Some people 
truly have depression for physiological reasons, and it's a tragedy. But the vast majority of this is induced by human beings. This is man-made suicidal thinking, man-made depression. On every level, the two biggest being, they get no religion and they were locked down. And they're related, by the way, because if we took a poll among Americans who thought the lockdown was idiocy and the Americans who thought lockdown was a great thing, you would find that disproportionate number of religious people would think it was awful and a disproportionate number of secular people would have thought it was a great thing. My theory, and I, I would bet my life on it, is that secularism produces stupidity. There are very nice secular people. There are some awful religious people. I fully acknowledge that. But secularism produces no wisdom. And that is why we have such convoluted thinking dominant in our time. So listen, I'm going to read to you further and show you all they're going to do now is reinforce the causes of all of this depression among young adults to begin with. By the way, you want to, you want to be a non-depressed young adult? How about this? Take God and the Bible seriously. Have a religious community. Find somebody to marry and start a family. Get a job. Act responsibly. I'll bet you you lose your depression. For those of you listening, there is no one here with an applause sign. I just want you to know that was a spontaneous eruption of probably a largely religious audience. Therefore, more likely to take what I'm saying seriously. The numbers reflect a years-long trend of worsening mental health among young people that was exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, experts say. No, it wasn't. It was exacerbated by the response to the COVID-19 pandemic. I never, ever say COVID. I always say lockdown. Before the lockdowns, da, 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 after the lockdowns, and so on. No one should say COVID. COVID was not the culprit. Sweden did not lock down, just for the record. Sweden is ranked 55th in deaths per million in, in the world. I checked it yesterday, 55th. And the United States, I think, is 20th. 55th. All their schools were open for kids up to the age of 16. You think that there's as much suicidal thinking in Sweden as in the United States? I'll bet not. And the only difference, since it's a very secular country, the only difference is lockdowns. So maybe you idiots who gave us lockdowns, you people with PhDs, which generally means you're probably not wise because you went to school even longer than people who got a BA. So it's even, even less likely that you have wisdom. 
The poll of nearly 800 Californians ages 18 to 24 also found young people facing significant barriers to getting help, with nearly half of those who wanted to speak to a mental health professional saying they had been unable to do so. That's what it is. There's the answer. Mental health professionals. As we know, they're doing a great job. That's the answer. Not a religious community. It's not, of course, it wouldn't even enter a, an L.A. Times article. You, you might as well tell them, actually, I was going to say that they would advocate witchcraft, but they would sooner advocate witchcraft than uh, Christianity or Judaism. All right, that's our story. We continue with the Depression in California. I'm Dennis Prager at the Museum of the Bible. Thank you. When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in Dennis Prager under podcast when you sign up. Spelled Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com, Bambi dot com, and type in Dennis Prager. A lot of people have HR issues, but they don't want to spend the money on an HR person. And this starts at just $99 per month. Bambi.com. Hey, everybody. Dennis Prager, Museum of the Bible, Washington, D.C. I have a wonderful uh, live audience here. How many of you live within 50 miles of Washington, D.C.? All right. How many of you live more than 50 miles away? Wow. I'm very moved. That's very sweet. Who came the furthest? Where'd you come from? Yeah, I know who you are. And I'm going to be introducing you. Uh, Yeah, that's true. That wins. I think there's someone here, though, from Syria. That was a joke. That was a total joke. Okay. Who came next to the furthest? Where'd you come from? You, yes, with the beard. Montreal? California? New York? Vermont? Yeah. Louisiana? Sorry? Pennsylvania? Wait a minute. North Dakota? You came from North Dakota? What city? Sorry? I'm taking off my earphones. Dickinson? Raise your hand if you've heard of Dickinson, North Dakota. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're not telling the truth. (laughs) Dickinson, North Dakota. So here is one of those great moments that I have on radio when somebody, when I take a call, and somebody, let's say Dickinson, North Dakota, and I'll say, oh, uh, and uh, where is Dickinson? And they say, oh, we're, we're, we're right by uh, Demersville. <laughs> they do that all the time. I find that it is one of my happiest moments on radio 
when I get a predictable, silly answer to a question, because nobody heard of Demersville either. Where, where is Dickerson? Southwest corner? So, and you came, did you come just for this? That's very beautiful. That's really nice. How do you deal with the constant wind? This is a serious question. Do you get used to it? You do. You get used to it? Uh-huh. You're, you're, oh, so you brought your North Dakota child. That's really nice. I, uh, so when you come, when you leave the Dakotas, do you go, oh, this is so awful. It's not, there's no wind. <laughs> all right. Anyway, this is fun. I enjoy it. You really did come from all over. Thank you for doing that. That's, um, I'm very touched. I really am. By the way, hey, just for the record, I came from California too. But coming to Washington, D.C. from California, it, there, there's no change in terms of liberty. See, when I go to Florida, ah, I, I breathe in humidity and, uh, oh, you guys from Florida? No, that's, I, it's real. I have watched Florida go from being basically a, a retirement area for New Yorkers to the most dynamic state of the United States of America. And, and, and Texas is a close second, and just wanted to say that, you're doing great. Let me continue with this article about how much suicidal thought there is among young adults in California, Los Angeles Times. All right? So, I continue. We live in, we do, I'm telling you, it's the age of, of stupidity. The challenges reported by the poll are, quote, extremely concerning, said Dr. Benjamin Maxwell, Interim Director of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Rady Children's Hospital, San Diego, who was not involved in the, in the survey. So here's his, here's his solution. As a, as a society, we have underfunded mental health support for people for decades. That's what it is. You wanted to know why half of California's young people are depressed? And suicidal, a third of them are suicidal, because we have underfunded mental health. Do you understand the, the thinking that, that, that is involved here? Wait a minute, wait a minute. So obviously, we have underfunded this for, in the past as well. Clearly, he, he doesn't think there was a time when it was properly funded. So the change is not the funding of mental health professionals. The changes must be societal. But, but no, oh, by the way, he's in a child, he's with a, a, child, a children's hospital. I, I wonder if, a, if an 11 year old says that she is a boy, what do they do? Just for, just for the record. My is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bedsheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. 
Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream Sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager. Or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code Prager. Hey, you folks recognize that theme? Hi, everybody. Well, we have, I'm an audience from all over America. We established that last hour. This is Dennis Prager for the inauguration. (coughs) Excuse me. We don't have a cough button in Washington. For the inauguration of the uh, publication of the third volume of my life's, I guess, most important work. My commentary on the first five books of the Bible, Deuteronomy. For those watching, I'm showing you for the first time what it looks like. And it's beautiful. Yep. You're staring at the beautiful cover, and I'm staring at a picture of me. You're luckier, I just have to say. I'm okay, but this is better. Anyway, it is out, and uh, we're honoring it at the. A museum of the Bible, which is quite appropriate. It's a terrific museum. All of you should visit it from all over the world. It, it is a remarkable achievement, and it's worth bringing your kids. The greatest book in the world. The most, by far, I mean, there's no close second. Well, there is a second. I guess the Quran would be second, but there would be no Quran if there were no Bible. But this is this is what made Western civilization. these books of the Bible. So I welcome all of you uh, who were listening and watching to the Dennis Prager Show. I just want to finish. I started last hour a piece in the Los Angeles Times about how depressed young adults are. And of course, the, the problem is that we don't have enough mental health care funding. That's that's the gist of the article. The the poll said that more than half report depression and 31% suicidal thinking, 16% self-harm. Okay, it's pretty bad. So let me give you a little more, because this this is so insightful as to the times in which we live. Alejandra Barba, 20, grew up in a home with a family she loves, but who was strictly religious. So I did a search. This is the only time religion is mentioned. The, the best antidote to depression, religion, is never mentioned as an antidote. It is only mentioned as a problem. She grew up, Alejandra, in a home was strictly religious, but does not accept her being gay. That's the only mention of religion, that they're, that they're bigoted. See? Classic L.A. Times, the entire left in the country. New York Times would have the same article. CNN would have the same article and so on. She was 11 years old when she started harming herself after having experienced abuse. So I'm, I'm just curious, was the abuse done by a parent? Was the abuse done? I'm only curious because it said she loves her family. 
it's hard to imagine that she loves a family that abused her. I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious. By the way, in the case of lesbians, because I don't believe that lesbianism and uh, gay men are have the same etiology, as they say, the same roots. I think for men, it's much more hardwired, and for women, it's more psychological. So, so do many gays think the same thing, by the way. You think, is it possible that there's a relationship between her having been abused and her being gay? I, I would think that there might be. It's not here or there. I just thought it worth noting because they they would never note such a heretical thought. See, it's interesting. For the left, sexual orientation is hardwired, permanent, biological, and fixed. But your sex is none of that. Isn't that interesting? So whether you're gay or lesbian is hardwired, biological, and fixed. But whether or not you're a boy or a girl is not hardwired, biological, or fixed. Everything they say is nonsense. Everything. When the pandemic hit, she was a senior in high school. Suddenly, she was forced to stay home, isolated from friends and the academics at which she excelled, and that kept her motivated. So whose fault is it that she was forced to stay at home? They, the L.A. Times which massive advocacy of closed schools would never even think maybe that was an error. It doesn't occur to them. Lack of self-awareness is another distinctive trait of the left. 5% of those surveyed identified as gay or lesbian and 17% as bisexual. Bisexual. So do you think, is that hardwired as well? Or is that socially induced? I believe it's much more socially induced bisexuality than it is hardwired. And to the extent that it's hardwired, then one has a... I've asked this question from the beginning of my thinking on on the gay issue, which is a long time ago. I wrote a 17,000-word essay on this in the 1990s. When Leviticus comes out, That'll be the fifth of the five volumes. I will have a 20,000-word commentary on one verse in the Bible. There will be a small book on one verse, on the homosexual, male homosexuality verse. I, I've, read, I've read a lot about this. So I have a question. If you're bisexual, that means that you can have sexual relations with either sex. So if that is the case, is it wrong for a parent to say to such a child, let's say you're a, you're a, a girl, listen, since you acknowledge that you can make love to either sex, why don't you choose males? We would love to see you ideally married to a man. Is that bigoted? I'm serious. Is that wrong? And by the way, I'm on record as I wrote in my essay in the 1990s. If your child is gay, you love your child. It goes without saying. Terry, Tara Bransfield, 
22, was a student at Sonoma State University. Bransfield said she feels both uncertain and optimistic about the future. Her struggles with eating have improved, but she knows they're still part of who she is. Okay, I, I don't fully understand that. They're still part of who she is. So should she overcome it or not? I don't understand what that means, still part of who she is. But it's not, it's, okay, I'll leave it at that. It, it, it doesn't make full sense to me, but that's not why I'm reading this to you. She worries about financial security, about the need, and ready, this is what she worries about. About the need for financial security, about the need for social justice. She worries about the need for social justice. Is that societally induced? She lives in the country of the greatest amount of freedom and opportunity for every single person. And she's worried about, this is what's depressing her? Social justice. By the way, for the record, and I point this out in my Bible commentary, the Bible is totally opposed Certainly, the first five books, which are the basis of the whole Bible, both the Old and New Testaments, are opposed to social justice. They are for justice. Social justice is the opposite of justice. I'll explain it to you. There is a law, and it's in Deuteronomy as well, that you shall not favor the poor in, in a courtroom. The courtroom is a place for justice. So in a nutshell, if somebody ever asks you, what is the difference between social justice and justice? Here is the difference. A poor man and a rich man are in the courtroom. If the, if the rich man loses the, the verdict, it means nothing to his overall wealth and comfort. If the poor man loses, it's it's a it's a problem for him. Social justice says rule in favor of the poor man. Justice says rule in favor of the one who is right. That's the difference between justice and social justice. So she's worried about the need for social justice and about attacks on the rights of LGBTQ people. I know what she means. I'll talk about them when we return. Dennis Prager in Washington, D.C. Not alone. All right, everybody, here we are. All right, welcome back. Nice to see you all. Folks, I have, I have about 100 folks here with that being, that being brought about right from all over the country. And I appreciate very much your coming. This is the most, I've, I don't normally spend this much time on one article, but it, it gives you an idea of how, how backwards the thinking in our society is. 
this article about how many depressed young adults in California, and you could take most other states and have the same results. What we need is more funding for mental health. They speak about, so that, that's, that's their answer. What, what kids need are more psychiatrists. That'll do it. And more funding for social workers and psychologists as well. That's what they need, young, young adults. Does a psychiatrist, uh, does a psychologist, social worker provide meaning in life? Do they provide you with a community, the things that really matter? How many of them are saying, you know, you might want to consider finding a, a, good, a good person and marrying? I'd like to know what percentage of psychologists in, in California advocate that to the, this group is 18 to 24. No, what you need, as I wrote here, more social justice, and you'll be a happier person. Get that. So they're describing this 22-year-old, is she 22? Yeah, 22-year-old college student. She worries about the need for social justice. That's a depressing subject. And about attacks on the rights of LGBTQ. The only attack on the right of LGBTQ of which I am aware is with regard to the, uh, there is no LGBTQ. That's lesbian, gay, bisexual, oh yeah, T, that's right, the transgender, yeah, that's right. You cannot, if you're a biological male, you can't compete against biological females in sports. You, you can't play in women's division. So that's called an attack on LGBTQ rights. There was a story out of a, uh, out of a, either a college or a high school, I'll, I'll have to, I'll find it for you, wherein a biological male was in the, said he was a female and entered the female locker room where he stood naked and the girls were not pleased with that. And so they were all told that he has, or he, she, has complete use of the locker room. They will have to all change in one little room. So instead of five minutes to change, it took a half hour. He had full use of the entire locker. Now this creature is a total narcissist. Leftism is legalized narcissism. And this is a perfect example. And this is called an attack on the rights of LGBTQ. And that's one of the reasons that this young woman is depressed. Next, while we're in California, this happens uh, all the time. I don't know why. I usually get this in January. But they decided to print on September 30th. That's, uh, let's see, uh, four days ago. Governor Newsom signs hundreds of new California laws. For those of us living in California, this is such good news. <laughs> if there's anything that we need, it's new laws. There are not enough laws in California. Try to start a business in California. That's why people don't start businesses in California like they used to, anywhere near it. This is what is considered good governance. Why does the left think more laws is a good thing? 
I'll tell you why. Because it strengthens the hand of the government. And that's what the left stands for. The bigger the government, the happier the left. For conservatives, the bigger the government, the less happy we are. It's a classic, unbridgeable difference. We think that beyond meeting basic needs, government is the problem, not the solution. The line Ronald Reagan stated that converted me to being a Republican. I was a Democrat. Look, I'm a Jew from New York. What do you expect? It's in my birth certificate to Democrat. You can change sex in New York, but not party. That's indelible. The party I was assigned at birth. <laughs> That's the way I'm going to refer to it from now on. That's right. That's what I was assigned at birth. Democrat. D for dummy. And uh, this... This is the way in which life works. His line changed my life. I realized, holy crow, that is not just true in America, that government is the problem, not the solution. But then I realized, because I was preoccupied with evil my whole life, nearly all evil came from big government in the 20th century. You can't have genocide without big governments. There was only one example of non-big government genocide, the, the Hutus massacre of the Tutsis in Rwanda. I want to be factually accurate. But beyond that, the 100 million non-combatants, not, not military people, citizens, slaughtered by communists, or slaughtered by big government. And yet the left loves it. So this is the way it works on the left. Christianity is awful. Look at the Inquisition. By the way, I did look at the Inquisition. I'm a Jew who wrote a book on anti-Semitism, and I did look at it. Over the course of a few hundred years, approximately 3,000 people were killed by the Inquisition. Every one of those was, a, was an act of evil. However, perspective is necessary when you make moral assessment. 3,000 over, over 200 years, when communists killed 3,000 every day, it's, uh, it's not really comparable. But anyway, Christianity is judged by the Inquisition. But big government is not judged by genocide. Get it? And every single kid who goes to college doesn't know what I just said. Has no clue. This would be revelatory. I know it because when I say it at colleges, I look at their faces. You, you can hear the non-breathing. Yes, big government slaughtered a lot more than Christianity ever did. There's no, like, no comparison. All right, everybody, from Washington, D.C., this is Dennis Prager. We continue. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager, Washington, D.C., Museum of the Bible. 
lot of ter terrific people from all over the country to uh, celebrate, otherwise you wouldn't be here, uh, the, the next volume. It's been a big hiatus, partially because so much was closed during the lockdowns, but it's out. And all of you listening, I hope you read it. I believe it'll deeply affect your life. It's the third volume of my rational Bible. The most quoted book of the founders of America, Deuteronomy. And its subtitle is God, Blessings, and Curses. Because there's a line in there I have put before you. I have given you curses, blessings, and curses. I have a theory on that, which of course I have in there. Every blessing comes with a curse. Life consists of blessings and curses. I will admit not every curse comes with a blessing. <laughs> I'll admit the, uh, it, it, it's not exactly symmetrical. Uh, but by the way, some curses do come with a blessing. A lot do, not all though. But pretty much every blessing because you, you never know. I mean, look. I'm a big, big fan of people having children, but to be honest, that blessing for many, many parents turns out to be a very, very troubled thing. Just even if, you know, something terrible happens to the child, child dies, child turns out awful. The... The mixture is what constitutes life. There's very, very little that's an unalloyed blessing. I'll give you a, a little example in my own life of a, uh, I wouldn't say it's a curse, but it's, it, it's, it's not a positive. And everybody has this. That's why I feel totally free to say it openly. It's, it's nothing horrible, but I have a very short attention span. I get bored incredibly quickly, somewhat like a seven-year-old. I knew that very early in my life. And I have turned that into a blessing. How? I became interesting. Because I was starting to bore me. I give you my word, as I sit here before you here in Washington and those listening on the radio and watching on the Salem News Channel. In one of my, I began publicly speaking at 21 because of my travels to the Soviet Union. And very early on, in the middle of a speech, this was a, this was a seminal moment in my life, I said to myself, Obviously, I didn't say this out loud. I said to myself, Dennis, you're boring me. And from then on, it was a project of mine that essentially every sentence that I said publicly would be interesting. Because I had to keep me interested. And, and the same in the writing. That's, that's my most important thing, aside from the content itself, obviously. It must hold your interest. I remember, and every one of you had this. You, everyone has had a boring teacher or a boring clergyman. 
but I went further. When I had a boring teacher, I remember saying to myself, does he think he's interesting? This fascinated me. Do boring people hold their own interest? And if they do, do they find other boring people interesting? <laughs> I don't have an answer to these. These are puzzles. They don't keep me up at night, but they do keep me up during the day. <laughs> okay. Anyway, blessing. That's why God blessings and curses. All right. So let's see some of the laws. This is listed in, uh, I think it's in the LA Times as well. SB 107, Senate Bill 107, aims to make California a sanctuary state for transgender health care, shielding transgender people, including youth and their parents, from legal action from states with bans and restrictions. Sanctuary state. So, and by the way, that means if you're 12 and you, and you escape, apparently, if I read this wrong, fine. Uh, not fine, I, I apologize. But if you're if you're a minor, let's put it that way, you uh, want to get puberty black blocking drugs. You can't get it in Alabama. You can get it in California, and California is not obligated to tell your parents that you are. That is a now now a law. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Nice to be with you. All right. Very good. Very good. I am looking up something here. I want you to hear about from the... uh, By the way, let me explain to all the listeners just coming in. I am at the Museum of the Bible, Washington, D.C. About 100 folks from all over the country with me here. Thank you for the uh, publication after years. The next volume is coming out this week of uh, my Rational Bible. And I hope all of you listening get it. Every author hopes that people get their books, I understand. But I think it's fair to say this is purely an idealistic venture to devote so many years to explaining the first five books of the Bible. Let's put it this way. Nobody writes a commentary on Deuteronomy to get rich. Is that fair? I want to, I was reading to you last hour, and I want to find one more law that uh, has, yes, here it is. This is, this is, of all the laws passed, this, this is just published in the Los Angeles Times, what the governor of California has signed. Here is a law, AB 2098, Assembly Bill 2098, makes it easier for the California Medical Board to punish doctors who spread COVID-19 misinformation. We've never had laws like this directed against doctors with one and one specific illness. We have lived a gigantic lie perpetrated by uh, most of the medical community. In the last two and a half years, my attitude toward the the medical profession, as my attitude toward teachers, has uh, undergone a terrible transformation. 
I have no joy in it. Having doctors and teachers in my extended family, on a personal note, who are wonderful people, but they are not members of wonderful professions. This is a scandal that will hurt people. So it's, uh, I, I might add, the summary is benign. What it really is, the law, is that a doctor who's, for example, I'll give you a very specific example. A California physician says, I think that therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine with zinc might help you. They can lose their license to practice medicine. Completely safe drugs on the list of the hundred most important medications of the World Health Organization. But if they prescribe it to a patient who in an early stage of, of, uh, of COVID can lose their license, certainly if they announce that they're doing so. It's so interesting how moderns will be so quick to ridicule the Catholic Church for putting Galileo under house arrest. I, I, I don't know uh, why this is uh, morally superior to that. I'll tell you the reason is the, the substitute for Judeo-Christian religions has not been rational thought. It has been irrational thought. And uh, all, all of the isms, especially Marxism, these are, but these are, this is an example. This is a frightening thing that your doctor in California can lose his or her license if they say something that the CDC doesn't agree with. How is science supposed to advance if you all have to heed the doctrine of some governing board? How is it supposed to advance? Is there any great breakthrough that has not come from an outlier? As I've said more on moral matters, all good is done by outliers. Not every outlier does good, but all good is done by outliers. The sheep don't do good. The herd doesn't do good. When doctors become sheep, a lot of people get sick. I'd like you to hear something talking about doctors. So it's the second clip, gentlemen, back in Los Angeles. And you're going to hear a, uh, a member of the House of Representatives, Andrew Clyde, talking to Dr. Bhavik Kumar, Director of Trans Care at Planned Parenthood. The clip is 43 seconds. Take it away. Dr. Kumar, can biological men become pregnant and give birth? Um, so men can have pregnancies, especially trans men. Uh, so, so can biological men become pregnant and give birth? So are you saying that a biological female who identifies as a man and therefore becomes pregnant is, quote, a man? Is that what you're saying? 
these questions about who can become pregnant are really missing the point. I'm here to talk no, about no, 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 no. This is me Somebody, asking a question I'm answering and you question. answering. I'm okay. asking the question, sir, not you. Right, and I'm answering the question. Somebody with a uterus may have the capability of becoming pregnant, whether they're a woman or a man. That doesn't make uh, okay, a difference. Okay, we're done. That's right. I think we are done. Someone with a uterus may become pregnant whether they are a woman or a man. This is a doctor, my friends. He won't lose his license. Get it? So if you say that any, whether you have a uterus or not, you can become pregnant, you keep your medical license. But if you say, I think that uh, hydroxychloroquine will help your early stage of COVID, you can lose your license. For the record, since I'm at the Museum of the Bible, I tell you, I've said this for decades, the consequences of the death of religion in America are among the biggest reasons I stay religious. When you see the consequences of something disappearing, doesn't your faith in its necessity increase? The breakdown of Judeo-Christian thought, values, insights, outlook, wisdom has led to evil and idiocy, a combination the likes of which we haven't seen. This is an, a medical doctor for Planned Parenthood, one might add, uh, who is telling a, a member of Congress of the United States under oath that whether or not you have a uterus, you can get pregnant. How does that work exactly? Okay, I thought that the people should hear that. I have another clip with regard to uh, science and the world. This is from a meeting of the probably most dangerous international group, the World Economic Forum. It is Melissa Fleming, uh, who is the UN Secretary for Global Communication. Uh, her speaking at a World Economic Forum meeting. Go ahead, please. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world you know, should know it, and, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. We partner with Google to lie to you, or if you will, to deprive you of any view we don't have. That's even better. That nobody could disagree with. They may say that the ones that they're blocking are lying. So drop my lying line. We can all agree the United Nations and 
Google have partnered, she said it, in suppressing all contrary views on climate change. How's that? And I would say 80% of college students think it's a great idea. We got, we got a battle on our hands. And we may win, but we got to fight. Back in a moment, Dennis Prager, Museum of the Bible, Washington. Hi, everybody. My friends, these are real live people from all over the country who've come to Washington, D.C. I'm very honored that you're here for the publication of third of my five-volume work on the Bible, the Rational Bible, Deuteronomy. You can all order it at the Prager store or at Amazon or anywhere else you want. I hope you will. It's meant to be life-changing. I want to remind you, I ended the last segment saying we can win. That is, we can win for liberty, for the values that have made America the, the greatest country ever invented. I don't say that because I'm American. I say it because it's true. I know it's true because everybody wants to move here. Why would everybody want to move here if it weren't a better country? Anybody in the history of the world ever wanted to go to a worse country? Why did three million blacks move here in the last few uh, decades? Because it's better here for a black than it is in Africa. That's why. I don't know why. Is that, is that, uh, can't say that at a university, but it is true. There's a group that is fighting for this country, the Alliance Defending Freedom. They take cases of liberty and religious liberty to the Supreme Court. They can only do so because we, we, the lay people, fund their lawyers. So this is fundraising time for the Alliance Defending Freedom. There is a link at my website. The hardest thing to get people to do is not give money. I figured it out. It's to get them to hit the link. Isn't that interesting? That is. Most people, if if people could will $100 to the Alliance Defending Freedom by thinking it, they would be flooded with money. <laughs> but uh, I, gotta, I have to hit a link. <laughs> I understand that. I know it because I'm as normal as everybody else. I, I get it. But folks, we have to fight. We have to help the fighters. There's a link for ADF at my website. Please, please do, do the good of supporting them. So a miracle sort of is happening in Ukraine. The Ukrainians apparently are winning, which is a, uh, it's worthy of applause. I agree with you. And this, nobody, nobody expected this, I don't think. I truly don't. I don't think the Ukrainians expected this. So he has called up, Putin has 300,000 Russian men in a draft. The number of Russian men who ache to risk their lives in Ukraine is close to zero. 
And so many, uh, certainly those who have the means, are have already fled Russia. They have gone to Finland, they've gone to Sweden, they've gone wherever they could go. What, what exactly would they be dying for? Did Ukraine invade Russia? This is not like fighting. He makes it sound like they're fighting Nazis, but they're not fighting Nazis. Not to mention Zelensky's a Jew, just as a parenthetical, just to really make it hard to say it's a Nazi regime in Kiev. <laughs> I don't know if he would be the first Jewish Nazi, but let's say there aren't many. Uh, it's what scares me is he he can't lose and he we can't let him win but if he loses big he may lash out and the narcissist that he is like hitler hitler was prepared to have all germans die uh in service to him and in other words for Hitler, Germany was Hitler. For Putin, Russia is Putin. It's a very scary, uh, very scary thing. None of us could relate to, obviously. So I, I do worry about this. That's why I think any, anything that can give him a way out saving face, as much as I don't want him to save face on an emotional level, I, I want it on a moral level. I don't want more destruction of the world and of lives. I thought it was very foolish of President Biden to say he's a war criminal. It doesn't gain anything. It's just a a shooting off of the mouth for no good reason. So I I do worry about this man. The best thing that could happen is he's removed from office by Russian. That would be the best possible scenario. I don't, I don't foresee it happening. Therefore, we have to deal with him. But when I read about the victories that they're achieving, taking back land in eastern Ukraine, that the Russians were certain that they had, he keeps firing generals like the generals have botched the operation. I don't know. I frankly find it hard to imagine how do you inspire your troops? I guess if you call Zelensky a Nazi enough, some will be inspired. Oh, I'm, I'm protecting the motherland, the fatherland, Russia against Nazis. And if you believe that, that could inspire you. I don't know how many of them really believe that. I don't know. I'm, I'm literally saying I don't know. No, no one knows. I can only tell you on an American level, I have learned the power of propaganda is truly powerful. That you can teach and have half of this country believe that they live in a systemically racist country shows you the power of propaganda. That people think it's a good thing to give their five-year-old a vaccine that they don't need and that might hurt them is the power of propaganda. So I guess it could be effective to tell Russians they're fighting Nazis. But I don't know. I only know that 
not a lot of Russians want to do this. Here is a story, and I am actually happy about it because I think anybody who sends their child to Amherst College deserves it. Amherst College, as introduced from the Daily Mail, has introduced a new masking policy under which each student would be provided an anonymous survey. Then they express in this their views on whether they want a mask mandate in the classroom. There's the punchline. If one respondent, professor or student, says that there should be a mask mandate, there is one. And in an anonymous survey, this is October of 2022, and every student in most classes at Amherst will have to wear a mask, a K95 one. And parents pay to send their kids there. Back in a moment. everybody and welcome again yeah, you're a great audience I think I should take this audience with me around the country you would come I think that would be a blast charter like a bus take a month and just broadcast from all over the country you're in? I think it would be great. So I'm about, I was about to say, look, you only live once. And I'm a believer in the afterlife. But this life, I do believe, is once. And, and so I think God structured it that way. Because if, if we knew we'd come back and back and back and back, I don't, I don't know if we'd value it as much. It's depressing as well, because if it turns out awful, you only live once could be a depressing thought. But that's like I, it's like the subtitle of my Deuteronomy commentary, God's blessings and curses. It's like both. It's like take death. Nobody talks about death. I, it's really sad. It should be talked about in, 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 in neither an upbeat or a low beat manner, just directly. But I, I'm sure... Most people have come to this realization. It's death that gives life meaning in many ways. I've often thought, what if I knew I'm going to live, even not forever, but for a thousand years? I'm not sure I would get up every day to go to work. Right? I mean, imagine a kid, do your homework. I'll do it in 150 years. <laughs> Why is that not an appropriate answer? The fact that time is limited makes time that, that much more valuable. Back to Amherst. When I, I, I as I said to you when you left, <laughs> and it, it, is, it is laughable, but it's also cryable. The kids who go to Amherst deserve this. I don't feel for them at all. That if one professor or one student in any class 
anonymously requests that everybody wear a KN95 mask. You know what those are like? Good. I'm glad you don't. KN95 masks, they're, they're like seals across your nose and mouth. I find breathing in a regular nonsense mask awful, which is why I recommend that in most situations, people wear truly nonsense masks, the ones you can breathe through that are made of mesh. (laughs) I won't go further. I will not tell you how to order it. But you have to respond to nonsense by overcoming nonsense. Anyway, if one professor or student at a class anonymously asks, the whole class must wear a KN95 mask. I assume that Amherst is about $60,000 a year and then room and board. And parents are happy to send their child there. But you know what? My sense is that most of the kids there think that Amherst is doing the right thing. Talk about brainwash. So I don't want to say it, but I will. The letter that went out to faculty, staff, and students September 29th was signed by three women. Women are playing a disproportionate role in harming this country. I can say it because I am so neutral between men and women. I don't think either is superior. But I want to combat the notion that if the world were governed by women, it would be a greater place. It wouldn't. Amherst is governed by women. And it's awful. Just awful. This was from Catherine Epstein, provost and dean of the faculty. Liz Agosto, chief student affairs officer and dean of students. And Kate Harrington, chief human resources officer. That's a very important position. I will read you parts of the letter in a moment. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hello, my friends. Oh, my God. It's the last segment. It's a good sign. I mean, I've been having a good time. I have a theory. I have a theory on everything, as you probably know. If I have a theory, it's uh, under the rubric of happiness. Uh, they're related theories. I, th- I don't know if I've said that. I may have said them, but I don't, I don't remember everything I said, so I don't expect you to. So I have uh, one theory is you, I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in obligations, in shoulds. Whenever I heard there were no shoulds in life, I thought, what are you talking about? Life is filled with shoulds. But my approach has been make every should as much fun as possible. Then then you can really get through it better. Try to make your work fun. And and it's, it's usually doable. My other related theory, which has 
nothing to do with the moment, but is still worthy of noting. I believe that one of the reasons a lot of people have burnout is that they don't follow a theory of mine, and that is you should take a vacation every day. People rely on it on a two-week vacation sometime of the year, and then the rest of the time they work very, very hard. I don't rely on two-week vacations. In fact, I, I pretty much never have one. Uh, so I, uh, I take a vacation every day. I, I make room for just enjoying myself like I would on a vacation, whatever it might be. It's something to think about to everybody listening, and obviously those of you here. Well, it's too bad. I have so much more to report. Well, that means I have, I've done my homework in some way for tomorrow. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. If I didn't report some stuff today. So with one minute to go, let me remind everybody listening that life-changing stuff is available in my Bible commentary, the Rational Bible. Deuteronomy is coming out in a week. You can pre-order it at Amazon or at the Prager store, 50% off. Amazon is, I think, 40. And it's called the Rational Bible Deuteronomy, the most quoted text of the founders of this country. For those of you here, I will be personally with you. I just signed them this morning in purple ink, just for your knowledge, because I bring my own fountain pen. Anyway, God bless you for coming. It has been a joy to be with you. I mean that very sincerely. And to the rest of you, I'll see you tomorrow from Los Angeles. The Thank Dennis you. Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor pain-free studio. Thank you, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.